0: Welcome to the Destination Begin Podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Smith. I've lost over 250 pounds. I've started my life over multiple times and managed to find humor, lessons, and joy in the process. And now I'm here, sharing those stories with you. Thanks for joining me. This week on the podcast, I'm going to talk about moving on from divorce. So just a little caveat, this is based on my experience, this is based on what I've learned through trial and error, and through a lot of great people that have helped me, and I feel like a lot of this is very helpful. I've used it a lot of my own experience with um, clients, with life coaching clients, with friends, and also just in general in my own life. So take what serves you and leave the rest, but I hope that you find some of this helpful topic to be helpful to you that is my goal is not to be a know-it-all and not to say oh it's easy because I know it's not easy but my ultimate goal with everything that I do and especially this podcast is to give information out that leads to more freedom for you my goal for my life is to be free And the more that I can forgive, the more that I can see things from the other side, the more resentment and bitterness that I can release, the freer I am. So this has nothing to do with my ex. This has nothing to do with anyone's opinion about me or my life. This is about how I continue to find freedom from the past and to continue to write my own story of freedom and of power and of the life that I want. And I want that for you too. So the reason I'm talking about this is because of my recent trip to North Carolina. I I hadn't been in a really long time. And I, when I first went to see my son there after he moved there, I had so much pain in my body. So my ex-husband grew up in North Carolina and he moved to Minnesota to marry me. This is my son's father. And we lived in Minnesota for our entire marriage. And when we split up, we had been together for 12 years. And initially, he, he lived in the same town as me. Then he moved about four hours away to Wisconsin. And then, without saying anything, I had no idea, he moved back to North Carolina where his family was. He quit his job. I don't know all the details, but essentially all of a sudden I found out he was in North Carolina, unemployed, no longer paying child support, skipped out on all kinds of things. I I still don't know the whole story, but he was able to use that situation to get out of paying child support and to saddle me with a bunch of financial situations that I didn't know about and that were not fair. And a lot of people would say, oh, that's impossible, et cetera, et cetera. I'm telling you, they were terrible. They were unfair. I fought it. I spent tens of thousands of dollars trying to fight it. I lost. So I was a single mom with a teenage boy who was completely feeling abandoned by his dad who moved across the country and didn't take him with him. I was strapped with this incredibly large debt that felt completely crushing. And then on top of that, My son's father had his ear telling him, you know, if you came and lived with me, you wouldn't have all of these problems. If you came and lived with me, you'd have this, this, or that. Uh, My ex-husband ended up getting a much better job. And because he had basically started on a clean slate, he had a lot of resources, again, without having any need to pay me. And he had saddled me with this one big debt. And his whole entire mission was to get my son to go live in North Carolina. Well, because of custody and all of that, it wasn't so easy. He did get visitation to a degree. You know, he could go there for a couple weeks at a time. But Stephen was in school in Minnesota. So the only thing that my ex could do was work on my poor little innocent child and convince him that life would be better in North Carolina. And Stephen was acting out and he was causing some problems. He wasn't doing well in school. He wasn't doing well. And when I would try to talk to his dad, his dad would just say, well, he wouldn't behave that way with me. I don't know. And he would not help. There's no co-parenting. So it was a nightmare. And eventually when Stephen was um, a junior in high school, he went to visit his dad for the summer and then called me and said, hey, I'm not going to come home. I want to live here. So it was a complete, like he completely had won. He had ruined me, quote unquote, financially. He turned my son against me and then got my son to assert that he wanted to live in another state with his dad. So it was just crush, 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 crushing. And at that point, there was nothing I could do. I was like, well, okay. I mean, you're not going to school. You're not doing anything you're supposed to do here. So if you want to do that, that's fine. And so he did. And it was, it was, I don't know, it was, it was just one of the biggest blows to my heart. I felt so betrayed I felt so abandoned and I was just, I was sick to my stomach. A lot of my friends and family remember just, it It was, it was devastating. But off he went and to his credit, his dad cracked down on him and had him go to school and catch up and I don't know what all happened. I was out of the loop. I was kept out of the loop, but my son graduated high school and that was a miracle because he was doing so poorly up until that point, you know, in my head, of course, you know, I couldn't do anything right and I had failed my son and he was failing and it wasn't until he went and lived with his dad that he graduated and I really was a terrible mom. That message was being sent to me from his dad and I, I really bought into it and um, I was feeling like garbage and I was just really grateful his dad got him to graduate. But I, when I went there for his high school graduation, I went into his dad's brand new house. He was remarried, had a stepdaughter, those matching Lexus SUVs in the driveway. A little pair of, I think the plural for Lexus is Lexi, little Lexi in the driveway. It was, it, it just, it, it kicked me in the gut to be like, I'm paying this man's debts, I'm working two jobs, and he's got everything, including my son. And it was really crushing. And just felt so unfair. And I just went there last week and landed and drove around. And I had none of that. I had none of those feelings come up. It didn't even occur to me. I didn't think twice about it. I I don't care where his dad lives. I don't think at all about unjust or unfair. Just grateful to see my son. And that's been six years so what has happened during those six years? How did I get to this place? I asked myself that question because I noticed like, wow, this is not emotional. This is not difficult. This is happy and joyful. I'm coming to see my son. I don't have a bad response. I don't have any response except joy to see my son. How did this happen? And so I examined it a little bit to say, okay, this is wonderful. I really am free from bitterness, anger, you know, the, the feeling of injustice The feeling of, um, I hate that this happened. It's gone. How did that happen? So I'm going to talk about how it happened for me and break it down into kind of some steps. If you're in the situation where you would like to get free from all of that angst in your life, maybe this will work for you too. So basically the first thing that I did um, regarding the debt thing, it was really unjust. I found out about it. Um a long time after we split and I got a letter at my office. I had just started working for the law firm I worked at and it was this wonderful job with great people and I got a letter about it that was devastating. It was like what? So I thought, well this is wrong. This can't be. I already like there's no way. I, I have paperwork that proves otherwise. So I started making phone calls and saying, "Haha, you know, sorry, you made a mistake." This is actually not correct. I can prove it. To which they said, uh, actually, no, you're not correct. This is a debt that's on your social security number. We're coming after you. Terrified me. It was a lot of money and I didn't have it. I had just, you know, I hadn't been on my own very long and I was doing very well, but not well enough to be able to absorb such a debt. And so um, I got an attorney and I fought it. I spent a lot of money fighting it. And in the meantime, I had to pay on it to keep them from coming after me, garnishing my wages, um, levying my bank accounts. And so I got a second job and I worked evenings and weekends. Um, It was a bookkeeping job, so I had flexibility, but I got a second job that paid me just about um, the same amount a month as I needed to to keep this from coming to steal my life. And it was horrible because it was exhausting and... I hated the job, but it was like, all right, I have to pay this. At some point, it'll be resolved, but I'm just going to get this other job. I'm going to have direct deposit from that job, and I'm going to have direct debits from the debt so I don't have to see it and think about it. I'm going to stop thinking about it. I'm going to just focus on the fact that I'm grateful that I am able to to handle this, that I'm able-bodied to work and pay for it. But it was incredibly unfair. And then eventually I found out that all of my attempts to have this resolved failed. And I was not going to be relieved from it. I indeed had to pay it. And so I will tell you that I paid on that debt for the entire time that we've been divorced. Last year was finally resolved. So I left him in 2009 And last year was 2022. So 13 years of injustice financially. It's no small thing. We're talking about tens of thousands of dollars. And I didn't talk about it. I chose not to think about it. I just did it. I just dealt with it. It was a fact of my life. So point number one, we can sit and look at things that are unfair and just let it consume us with the unfairness and the injustice. Or we can figure out a way around it and move forward. Now, it didn't mean that it didn't occur to me occasionally and make me want to vomit. My parents wanted to vomit. Anybody who heard about it wanted to vomit. Uh, it, it was really unfair. I, it's not that I'm saying it wasn't and I just ignore it. It was horrible and unfair. But I could choose to focus on it and be bitter and angry and resentful. And every time I went to that job, and every time I wrote a check, but instead I set it up the best that I could so that I didn't have to look at it. So I didn't have to think about it. So the negativity of that didn't permeate my life. And I think that that's possible for a lot of things. Now it's not easy. It's not turnkey. It's not like overnight. I was just happy, happy. I wasn't happy about it, but I found a solution. I implemented it and I moved on. I had no idea it was going to take me that long. But I decided, well, if it takes me the rest of my life, that's the way it is. I can still have a happy life. I can still have everything that I want. I still made good money and was able to live a very nice life. I was not lacking. I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky, honestly, that I was able to handle that. I, it didn't ruin me financially. When I look at it now, I'm like, I really am glad I didn't sit around complaining about it because I'm so lucky that I had a skill set that I was able to work and able to pay that off by working a second job. So don't fixate on how unfair it is. Find a way to deal with it and drop it if it's possible. Some of my friends, women friends, they're paying ridiculous amounts of alimony and child support and have given away half of their retirement account. It's unfair because they're assholes that have divorced them and have screwed them over. But it's unfair, yes. But my advice to them is the same advice that I had for myself without really realizing it. It's not fair, but if you can find a way to just handle it and move on, do it. Just do it. Accept it and do it. Now, sometimes you have to fight things. If you're going to fight it, get an attorney and fight it. And don't spend all of your time being consumed in it. Find someone to help you fight it. Have them fight the battle and decide that you're going to be okay with any outcome because your life is still in front of you to be lived. Do you want your story to be about that one unjust thing that happened and then that other one unjust thing happened? So they say, hey, old person in the nursing home, what's the story of your life? Well, I got divorced at 35 and then the next 60 years I spent being angry and mad and bitter about it and you wouldn't believe all the things that happened. Well, that's very sad. Don't let that happen to you. I'm so, so grateful that that is not my story. In this arena, my story is freedom. It's freedom. From somebody who did everything that he possibly could to ruin me, and he succeeded in a lot of ways, except I didn't let him take the final death blow by letting it eat me alive. So, ultimately, what you have to do is deal with it, and then the best advice is to focus on your future. So I left him because of the heinous things going on, because I didn't want my son to become like his father, because I didn't want him to see his father behaving in the way that he was behaving, and because I simply was not going to live under abuse, control, manipulation anymore. I wanted freedom. So by leaving, I could either focus on all the horrible things that were going on post-divorce and let him have my future, even though I moved out, or I could actually focus on building my life. What happens a lot of times is we split up from people, but we don't ever let go of the emotional tie. We get so addicted to the drama of it, we get so addicted to our role, even though it's a negative role, no one would say, oh, I'm choosing to be addicted to being a victim. But honestly, it becomes so habitual that we don't know how to not be a victim. So you can move out of your ex's house into your own world and that person can still control you and still have the deciding factor on what mood you're in and still have the deciding factor and the decision-making power on if you wake up happy or if you wake up angry if you're going to leave somebody or if someone has left you, your life is in your own lap. You have a blank page in front of you. Who has the pen? You can let them write every single story of every single day of your future too. And if that's what you're going to do, why did you leave? Why wouldn't you stay? Maybe somebody left you. You don't have a choice. But if you've made an assertion to leave someone that's toxic and you're letting them write your emotional state, letting them choose your mood, letting them color how you view your life, then you should go right back to them because they still have control over you. You must decide to take control of your life, your story, your narrative. You must decide to find a way that your mood is not going to be impacted by that person. Well, it's easier said than done, but you can do this proactively. There's a couple ways that you can decide and then move forward to where that person does not impact your mood. Number one, you can work on reframing. So reframing means taking a narrative, taking a story, and finding a different way to look at it. It's like a giant beach ball as big as a house is sitting in the middle of a soccer field. And you're sitting on, I don't know, let's say a football field, not a soccer field. American football field. Let's say you're on the 50-yard lane, right in the middle. And you're looking at this beach ball and you see that it's got a a big white section and then a big orange section and then a big white section, like a big beach ball that's colorful. And you would sit there and say, this is a yellow, this is an orange and white beach ball. Now, your ex-husband or ex-wife is sitting on the other side of the stadium and they're looking at the beach ball and they see a white section and a red section and a white section. And they say, this beach ball is red and white. And you say, no, it's orange and white. And they say it's red and white. And you could do this all day. When in reality, when you climb up to the top of the stadium and stand on the end zone, you can see that it's a white and orange and white and red alternating striped beach ball. You can see all of it. There's a full story there. Neither one of you have it because of where you're sitting. Now that's a simplistic way of saying it, but You can assist yourself in seeing the big picture if you're willing to say, okay, I'm not saying he's right and it's okay that he behaved this way. And I'm using he because I'm a girl, but what's it like on his side? We can reframe who they are and their narrative so that we simply can see it differently. So it affects us emotionally differently. So for example, my ex-husband would not let me go anywhere without him. He couldn't be left home alone. At my own baby shower, my dad had to come over and convince him to let me leave and go to church to my baby shower. And my dad stayed the whole night. They ordered pizza. They watched TV. That was the only way it was allowed. He could not be left home alone. He was very angry. And that continued throughout our marriage. If he was home, I had to be home. He wouldn't be left alone. Now, that's insane. It's controlling. It's manipulative. It's abusive. But why? Well, the story is when he was a little boy, his parents split and it was him and his mom and his mom was a shopping addict and she was a complete nut job. I'm sorry. She was a nut job. <laughs> I have no love loss for that woman. Uh, I'm not bitter and angry, but she was nuts. Everybody, everybody who knew her knew this. And my ex-husband was raised by this person and she was addicted to shopping and she would wake up in the morning and she would leave for the whole day and shop and leave him home alone. And he would beg her to stay home, to stay home with me. Or can I come with? Nope. She had to go shopping with her friend. She never spent time with him. And he hated being alone. And so he got married to me. Now he's got a permanent person to be with him. He felt like, now I'm never going to be alone. And when I wanted to leave and do anything, it triggered that in him, that feeling of abandonment. And guess what? That is very sad. Where I sat, it was mean and angry and manipulative and not fair and definitely not okay. But on his side, it was the only way he knew to try to have the thing that he most lacked, which was this feeling of, of fulfillment because he was a lonely little boy. And it, that is very sad. And when I can look at it that way to say, this is very sad, it doesn't change how horrible it was and that it wasn't okay. But instead of hating him and being angry and bitter, I can start to see like, this is very sad. And unfortunately, because he kept me under his thumb so much, so much, so much, and it got worse and worse and worse, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I had to leave to save myself. And guess what? He was left alone. And that is very sad. It still makes me very sad. And so it doesn't change the facts, but it gives information that I can see. And it takes some of that bitterness and anger away little by little over time. That reframing, getting more information. Most of us know why the people who've hurt us hurt us, but we're so angry and we're so hurt and we have to protect ourselves so much that we can't give that credit to them. But guess what? You can still protect yourself, stand up for yourself, and acknowledge that behavior was wrong and you don't have to put up with it and understand that it is very sad and that that person is to be pitied and to have compassion. Doesn't mean you move a boundary, doesn't mean you let them hurt you, but you can see it from that side. It costs you something, it hurts the ego, but it expands the heart and it sets you free. Reframing is one of the most powerful things you can do for anyone, not just someone who hurt you horribly, but for everyone and anyone. It allows the compassion and the love to flow Doesn't mean that you take crap from people, but it certainly makes it easier to find and let love flow and be compassionate and kind with yourself and with others. Pity, sympathy. Now, another way that you can reframe so that people can't get under your skin, especially when they manipulate and they tell other people lies and they trash your reputation. This happens so often in divorces. You know, the narrative The narrative that your ex is telling everybody, your friends, your family is wrong. It's wrong or it's uninformed or it's part of the story. And there's nothing more maddening than to know that people you care about are hearing lies about you or half truths or being told things that are just a little bit true, but 99% false. It's maddening. And so what do you do? You want to defend yourself. And even when you're not in the room and even when you're not there, you find yourself having these conversations in your head, defending yourself, defending yourself, defending yourself, correcting the narrative. And guess what? You can't. You cannot control what that person says about you. You cannot control their narrative. If you know the truth, the only thing you can do is ground yourself in the truth. Remind yourself of the truth. I encourage people, clients, friends, I encourage everyone to keep a fact list, especially when waters are muddy. Fact list. People show you who they are. And a lot of times we want to believe that they're going to be better this time or they're going to be nicer this time or we don't have to be so strict with our boundaries. But people show you who you are. Write it down. Make a list of facts. My sister did this for me. When I left my husband, I was so scared because I'd never lived alone. And even though it was terrible, I wanted to go back over and over and over again because I knew how to operate there. And it was easier than dealing with going to bed all by myself night after night, knowing that everything was on my shoulders day after day. It was so hard. I would call my sister crying and say, no, I'm just going to go home because you know what? Maybe he can get help. Maybe it'll be better. And she would simply remind me of the facts. Kristen, he hurt you. Kristen, he could kill you. We don't know. Kristen, (laughs) Stephen is going to turn out just like him if you do not protect him from this. Kristen, remember when this happened. Kristen, remember, remember the facts. And she would point me to the facts, ground me in the truth until I was able to say, okay, you're right. I can't go back. I have to sit here in this discomfort. I have to find a way to be strong enough. When he was telling everybody that I was rebelling and God needed to save me and I would just mend the family, he went to church and cried. Please, God, get a hold of Kristen. I had these people that knew me my whole life in church praying that I would... Come to my senses and take my husband back. And I would stop cheating on him. There was a narrative that I was cheating on my husband with a gay guy. It was lies. But it would get me riled up. I'd be like, how can they believe it? How can they believe it? It didn't matter. Guess what? Over time, they knew who I was. They knew. They found out who he was. I had to ground myself in the facts. No, I didn't leave because I'm cheating on him with a gay guy. I left because he locked me up. Because he broke a window with my head. Because he did this, 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 and this. That's why I left. I left. I had a fact list, period. And so what you have to do sometimes is arm yourself with the facts, but then arm yourself with something ludicrous so that when they do spew the crap, you can just laugh it off. So the one that I like is the earth is flat. Now, if you believe the earth is flat, I'm sorry, this might offend you. But if you're walking down the street and there's a bunch of people with a table and a sign and they stop you and say, the earth is flat, you'd be like, okay, that's funny. No, it's not. Or if you pass a table and they said, you know, um, what's another conspiracy theory? I don't know. I'm a conspiracy theorist, so I actually believe them all. But I don't believe the earth is flat. So we'll stick with that one. But that's a great tool to use. I recommend this a lot to clients to say, if they come at you and say something that's like 1% truth, ninety 99% BS, just in your head, be like, yeah, and the earth is flat. If they come at you and say, hey, I need this, this, and this because you owe me X, Y, and Z, and you know it's a bunch of garbage, instead of getting riled up, you're like, yeah, and the earth is flat. Walk away. Find something ridiculous to say in your head every time they say something that is ridiculous. Do not waste the energy arguing them in your head. Do not waste the energy trying to convince them of the facts. If they were convincible of the facts, you wouldn't be having the conversation. Their narrative serves them let them have it. You have the truth. These things combined give you the tools to stop fixating on what's unfair. Life's unfair. You're not going to find any examples in nature of perfect symmetry, of fairness. Is it fair that there's a food chain and that the bigger eats the smaller? Is that really fair? No, it's just life. It's how it works. Is it fair? Is it fair or symmetrical? Anything? No get over it and say, this is life on life's terms. This relationship didn't work. This person did X, Y, and Z. I have to deal with this. Yes, this is my life right now, but guess what? Soon I'm going to be making all my own decisions and I can choose to let this person steal all my freedom, all my peace, all my joy, or I can find a way to live with this and have what I want. You can create your own future. I want a life like this. Make a list. What do you want out of your life? What kind of tone do you want in your home? What kind of people do you want around you? What kind of behaviors will you tolerate? You don't have to respond to your ex when they speak to you in any certain way. You can say, nobody treats me with disrespect. Not you, not my children, not my parents, not my friends. I do not have to respond if someone is talking to me with disrespect. Draw the line, write it down. Create the life that you want. Instead of looking at what has happened, look at what is in front of you and build it. You have one life. You have one opportunity to have a story that you're proud of. And if the first half hasn't gone the way that you planned, if people have let you down, you've been hurt, you're going through divorce, you didn't see this coming, it's a really, really sad fact. But what's sadder is if you waste more of your time looking at it, being angry about it, being bitter about it and letting your past determine your future. At some point, you're either giving them the pen to write the rest of your story or you're taking it back and writing it yourself. I can't stress to you enough how quickly freedom comes when you decide to let the past go, to focus on your future, to work on reframing the story To find compassion for the other player. You can find it. You may say there's nothing. There's nothing redeemable about that person. Absolutely, yes, there is. Absolutely, yes, there is. And you say, they don't deserve me to have that compassion. They maybe don't. But guess who does? You do. Because every ounce of compassion you can find for anyone who's hurt you sets you free. And I'm telling you, the feeling of freedom... Flying into Raleigh, North Carolina. Picking up my son. Asking how his dad is. Feeling genuinely happy to hear his dad is fine. That they're flourishing. That he's adopted his stepdaughter. That makes me happy. I hope he's never alone. I hope he's learned to be alone. I hope his new wife is experiencing the best version of him. The version I didn't get. But I hope that... Since I have grown and I have learned and I have evolved as a human since then, I hope he has. I'm going to assume he has. I don't have evidence of it. I don't know anything. But in my mind, it is a beautiful thought to imagine that he is grown, evolved, more beautiful than he ever was, thriving and not repeating his mistakes. I don't know that. That might be a big stretch for where you are, but you can get there. It's the most beautiful thing to be free from bitterness, anger, hate, and being stuck on how unfair things are. Now, when I tell the story of that debt, yeah, I'm not happy about it, but you know what? It didn't stop me from living my best life. And it didn't stop me from having the things that I cared about. It didn't stop me. I didn't let it destroy me. Now, the story might be a little different if I'd had to be working a minimum wage job another 40 hours a week exhausting myself it might be a different narrative if it had cost me a lot more I don't know like I said I'm fortunate enough I was able to handle it the way that I did but no matter what has been thrown at you you have a choice you have a choice we have choices you're passive in so many things that happen to you we get hurt we get hurt and it's not our fault when we get hurt when people let us down But if we choose to let that determine one more moment of our future, then that is our fault. It is your fault if you give any of your future happiness to the person who has hurt you, to the person that wants to hurt you. You get to choose how much of your peace they steal. You get to choose how much of your future you give to them. Freedom. Freedom is possible for every single one of us, no matter how hard we've been hurt, no matter how terrible the story is you get one life. I want you to be free. I want you to experience the joy and gladness that comes from knowing that you didn't waste any more time than absolutely necessary on the things that hurt you. It's a beautiful feeling. So give those things a try. I'd love to hear from you if you implement any of them. Again, I know that every situation is different. And I have a lot of people that say, yeah, but you don't understand. This is what happens. And I have little kids. I have to deal with them for the next 15 years. I understand that that is very hard. I haven't had to do that. The only thing I can say for sure with 100% certainty is that if you are determined to have a joyful, powerful, positive future, one day at a time, one decision at a time, one emotion at a time, you can get there. It's not a flip of a switch. Bam, you're happy. You love everyone. But it's one decision at a time. Am I going to swallow my pride and my ego? Am I going to treat this person like a stranger in a gas station? That's another one. Think about a stranger in a gas station that smells and that is ugly. Do you walk up to them and smack them across the face? Or do you give them a baseline decorum? Because they're human. If you can treat someone who is disgusting and gross and maybe rude with baseline decorum in a gas station, you can treat your ex with baseline decorum. You can. Absolutely you can. If the Pope or Mother Teresa were watching your interaction with that person and judging you based with their perfection, you could treat them with baseline decorum. You could be the bigger person. 100% you can. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. If you want to interact with me, go ahead and send me an email, Kristen at KristensmithOnline.com. Follow me on Instagram, The Kristen Experience, and make sure you share this podcast with a friend. That's all I have for you today. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next time here on Destination Begin.